0: Good morning. Uh, I hope you guys are doing well on this uh, Labor Day weekend, right? Uh, I'd like to apologize for my absence last week. Uh, Misty was trying to leave me in Waco uh, all weekend long, and so um, like she put me on a paddle board, and I thought she was going to try to hit me in the head, and then it, say it was an accident. So, anyways, uh, we were we were gone, and so we are so excited to be back and. Uh, let me give you just two quick announcements. Uh, we told you a couple weeks ago we're going to begin the process of trying to uh, get back to some of our normal, uh, normally scheduled activities. And so uh, on September the 17th, we're going to be hosting a, uh, our men's breakfast. We try to do that the third Saturday of each month. Uh, we're going to host it over at Moe's. Uh, and so if you need some information about that, you need to see Mark, uh, we'd love to, to have you there. Uh, and then our plan is to still begin uh, some merge groups and some student groups beginning October the 7th. I think that's the date. Yeah, that's the first Wednesday. Uh, and so uh, this week we're going to get you some more uh, specific information, but make that a plan. And so I think that's is that what we had. All right. What, what are you eating?
1: Uh, cough
2: drop.
0: Cough drop?
1: Yeah, I gotta. it helps me.
0: He's such a diva. He is. <laughs> I need need a cough drop or I don't sing. Anyways, uh, we're so glad you're here. Before we take the time to lift high the name of Jesus in song, let's take a second. Let's stand to our feet. Let's wave at some people. Let's knock some elbows. Say, it's good to see you.
1: stand before your throne this morning and I pray that as we worship you as we lay our hearts before you right now that that we're here fully surrendered to you that we'd meet here with you right now our heart would reach out to yours Nothing else would matter. Nothing else would matter around us. Just that we get to meet with you. So I pray over these hearts here right now, over this church. spirit here right now we love you your son's beautiful name we pray these things not defeat you and that we have a power in that. We have a boldness in that. The beautiful thing about it is that your amazing grace reaches out to all of us. It reaches out to every heart here. Anyone who's feeling broken, anyone who's feeling lost, anyone who's feeling feeling distant. God, I ask your Holy Spirit, your amazing grace to just wash over us right now. Would set us free is a gift we can't fathom. That you would pay the price for our sins is a gift we don't always understand. Just thank you. I pray that
2: our lives thank you.
1: setting up, and um, I started singing just a a line from this next song Uh, that we're closing out on today, and sweet little Nola Bell came up and said, that's my favorite song. And I asked, why? Why why is your favorite song? You could see her, her wheels turning. bigger than just- that we're making as we sing these words. And that we'd look at it all, we'd look at God's will, we'd look at our stories and we'd be able to say, Amen. Father, I pray that our hearts
0: You have your Bibles. Let's uh, open them up. Hebrews uh, chapter twelve. Hebrews twelve. Uh, let me let me start this morning though by uh, t- taking some time to express uh, my gratitude, uh, really to, to James for the way he stepped up uh, last week by walking us through those first two verses of, of chapter twelve. I mean, there's there's so much packed into that 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 this difficult. It can be a difficult process to cover them in a way that, that kind of benefits the variety of people we typically have in this room, from, from non-believers to immature believers toward uh, mature ones. And, and I think James's explanation of those verses uh, was not only impressive, but it was beneficial uh, for our, our spiritual growth. And, uh, and I'm, I'm thankful uh, for the role that he's playing here at Merge. Um, I'm even more thankful... Uh, for the role and the voice he has in my own life and his willingness to think with me deeper about my relationship with God and my urgency uh, to proclaim the gospel with, with my life. And, uh, and if you weren't able to, uh, to catch that, to catch what he taught last week, uh, I would inc- highly encourage you uh, to go back uh, online and, uh, and make sure you're caught up. Take the time to listen. Uh, now, as, as I say that, I, I want to come back to those verses very briefly uh, not as a way of uh, cleaning up anything that he said. Uh, I, I used to have a guy in my life that would I would teach teens, and then somehow every time I taught, he would come in and kind of say, here's what Brandon meant to say, uh, and I was left saying, no, I said what I meant to say, you're dumb. Um, but that's not what I'm trying to do here. Uh, but, but I do want us to come back to those verses uh, as a means of context because they're going to propel us, into how we engage uh, these next couple of, of verses, and and so so chapter 12 begins as this continuation from chapter 11, where where the focus has been on on faith, uh, what is faith, and and how and what does it do as it's highlighted in the lives of those who have come before us when it comes to uh, these Old Testament saints, and and I've been uh, I, I was having lunch this week with a pastor friend of mine. And, and he said, we were talking about Hebrews, uh, and, uh, and, and, and he had said, you know, if, if he would have the audacity to rearrange books of the Bible, uh, he would take Hebrews and he would move it to right before Matthew in the New Testament. He would make it the very first book of the New Testament because really what it does is it serves as this prelude, prelude of, of what's about to unfold uh, as you read. And, and I thought, man, he's, that's not a bad idea. Uh, because Hebrews has consistently connected us to the Old Testament by saying this is what Jesus fulfills uh, as we approach it. And, and so so the faith that we've been called to live out that's been modeled in chapter 11 is a radical faith that where our love of God and our appreciation of His redemption towards us it simply becomes the anthem of our lives. That's what these people that we read in the... Uh, Hall, Hebrews Hall of Faith, uh, they are simply people who make the love of God the anthem of their life, what God is doing, the anthem. And so we see them commended in chapter 11, and and, and what it says is interesting. Remember, it says that some get palaces and some get the sword. Uh, and in both ways, God is glorified, uh, regardless of the extreme that we want to try to, to place under what we believe God should be doing in our lives. And so when, when we arose, when we arose, um, when let's just stick with it. It's wrong, but let's go. When we arrived uh, in those first two verses uh, last week, we, we realized that this is a continuation of this theme that the writer has developed. And he comes in and he starts by telling us, since we are surrounded by the community of these Old Testament saints... Uh, there's a very specific way that we live life. Uh, In fact, he says, namely, he says that we would lay aside every weight, that we would lay aside sin, which clings so closely to us, so that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us. And and now, if we're curious about what this kind of life looks like, we we don't have to go far, because we're instructed to simply look at uh, Jesus and who has modeled for us how to live this type of life, showing that that it is possible through the empowerment of, of the Holy Spirit, and and these instructions are going to be incredibly important and relevant for us uh, when we come to these verses that we're chewing on this morning, because because we're going to explore God's involvement when the circumstances of our lives are painful, uh, either either through the hostility of man or as a result of our inner battle against sin. And so, so both are going to kind of lead us to the same place in how God brings discipline into the lives of, of his children. Uh, and so, so as we do that, let, let's keep in mind how at times the writer uh, brings a, a timeless principle by referring to his audience's present circumstances. You with there? Um, so, so he's not writing necessarily to you and me, he's writing to these Hebrew people. And, and so, so he, here he's going to be talking to his audience in, who are in the midst of a great persecution. Uh, in fact, uh, we can learn from their persecution, but I think um, we need to acknowledge that what they were facing feels very much different from what we would consider persecution of the American Church today, uh, I think I think we are very soft uh, because when when the writer is addressing the Hebrews of his time, they were literally being hunted, uh, they they were literally being persecuted and tortured uh, and and and, and uh, executed for their allegiance. Did I already say executed once? Uh, they were being executed for their allegiance. To Jesus, that, that in part, because of their allegiance, because of their steadfastness, because of their, their courage, um, what we get to celebrate is that the message of the gospel has stood the test of time and it's arrived in our hearts today because they were willing to put their lives on the line for it. Uh, and so when when he says that they were being, um, when, when they're experiencing suffering, it's it's different than the ways we typically experience suffering for our beliefs today. Um, and and so, so in verse 1 and 2, we're instructed to lay aside every weight of sin that slows us from running toward Jesus. We're, we're instructed to strip away sin uh, that clings so closely. And then he says, let us run into these adventures of the God's size. And now we arrive uh, in verse 3. And it simply says this. Uh, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that, okay, so that's a, those two words are good to circle. So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding uh, your blood. And I think there, there's a lot to follow in this. And so I think it's, it's helpful to, uh, to actively engage ourselves into a conversation with the writer. Uh, and so the writer, it can go like this, the writer says, consider him. And so we ask him, who? Who are we to consider? And he would look back at us and he would say, well, you should consider Jesus. That's who we've been in this series talking about for uh, tw- at least 24 sessions, right? Uh, that we would consider Jesus. But now when it comes to Jesus, there's a lot of things we could consider about him, right? Right? So, so we need to ask a follow-up question. Okay, what would you like us to consider when it comes to uh, what we're considering about Jesus? What, what do you want us to pay attention uh, to about Jesus here? And, and the answer comes in that we should consider how Jesus endured hostility from sinners. And now we say, why, why do we need to consider how Jesus experienced hostility? And then the answer is because when we experience hostility, we can succumb to, to weariness and faint-heartedness. We can become, in essence, weaker. And so, so, now, why is that important for us to recognize about ourselves? And it's a great question. I think the writer would say, great question. Let, let me explain that. When we are at our weakest, when we are weary and faint-hearted, uh, when we are at our weakest, sin and temptation is, can feel at its strongest and so 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 this is why we consider Jesus this is all part of our exhortation from verses one and two that James covered last week that that we are to fight besetting sin and to look to Jesus as our strength so that weariness does not lead us to weakness and weakness does not take us down uh, does not take down our guard from Satan's attack or uh, does not take down our guard against our own self and our sinful nature, and so so there's a big realization where we are to consider in that our struggle against sin. The writer tells the church uh, the the is the reason that Jesus is to be considered is that He has shed His blood for sin. That He has shed His blood for sin, not us, and so so no matter how severe. The temptation may feel he has paid more for your salvation than you will ever. And so, so the writer is talking about the strength to run and to not grow weary as we at, at times struggle against sin. And, and he's going to introduce into the conversation the phrase, the discipline of the Lord. And, and this discipline can mean a variety of ways that God brings us closer to him. Uh, in fact, we, we have a fairly narrow definition of of that word discipline. Uh, in fact, we, we, tend, we typically will think of it, and I think depending on your age and where you are in life, we typically think of discipline as either punishment or restriction. Uh, we think of it as uh, I'm being disciplined for something I did wrong or I'm, I'm trying to be more disciplined because eating ice cream and having a Dr. Pepper at 9.30 every night is not producing the superhero body that I would prefer, right? And so I'm trying to become more disciplined. And, and the truth is, both of these descriptions will be at play as we consider mounting a, a more full understanding uh, for what the verses refer to as the discipline of the Lord here. In fact, we can think of it uh, as we try to mount... A broader definition, that we can think of discipline really as, as the training ground that God uses in our lives to grow us in holiness. That, that's his role. Um, that, that he is, it, discipline is the training ground that he uses in our lives to grow us in holiness. Now this is going to be important because w- we need to keep his motivations in mind uh, for, for when we get to the hard parts of these verses. And now as we do that, uh, let, let me set us up in a word picture um, that I think will help us connect verses 5 and 11 because it's going to seem, if we've been talking about um, fighting the temptation of sin uh, and then all of a sudden we talk about the discipline of the Lord, it's going to seem like we're taking a, a strange left turn and we're not. Uh, all of this is connected. And so um, so let me, let me give you a word picture uh, that was introduced to me um, back in 1999. Uh, so, kids, that was before color TV uh, and Wi-Fi uh, and and all of those things. It was a deep and it was a dark place. Um, but but the pastor, I think it was Tommy Nelson, uh, he described sin uh, as simply it's it's an eagle that's perched on your shoulder. Uh, in fact. Um, the longer we allow the eagle to rest on our shoulder, the more it will believe that it's supposed to be there. And so so the intent is as soon as the eagle lands, uh, you need to shoo it away quickly uh, because if not, it's going to begin to cling to your shoulder. And the way it clings to your shoulder is by digging its talons into your flesh. And the longer it stays there, the harder it is to get it off and then the more painful that becomes. Okay? And so, so we keep this in mind uh, because we've been told to strip it away, right? We've been told to strip away clinging sin, and we are told to lay a- aside the weight of sin. And what these next few verses are going to do is remind us that, uh, that we are not fighting our sin alone. And that's great news for us. In fact, uh, God has a very active role in growing us in holiness. And so that's where we are in, in verse 5 if you want to follow along. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? That's what the writer says. And, hey, hey, did you forget that God calls you sons and daughters? Then he takes us to a proverb. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. If you like to underline, this one will make you look super spiritual. Right? For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and He chastises every son whom He receives. Okay? It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not Discipline. And this is important, if you are left without discipline in which you all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And so, so the proverb mentioned here in, in verses 5 and 6 uh, comes from Proverbs 3, uh, verses 11 and 12. And it's a reminder uh, of God's care for his children. And so, so when God brings discipline, and this is important for us to see, when God brings discipline, he does so as a father who is investing and who is training his son for current development with future plans in mind. You with? That he's doing it with, with, the, with his son for current development with future plans in mind. And I think it's imperative that we try to understand this because not all seasons of discipline feel comfortable and they are not necessarily always easy to walk in. And, and I believe this proverb helps us by reminding us that God's motivation is that he disciplines the ones that he loves. And so, so his love for his children brings his involvement uh, to help us live healthy and full and holy lives since we are heirs to the inheritance of, of the gospel. And then I think as, as a side note, I think you get this incredible, um, Im- incredibly important motivation uh, as a parent, uh, in, at the end of verse seven, in that that parents, as parents, we too have a responsibility to invoke discipline in the lives of our children, and and this should always be done as an extension of our love for them, right? Uh, not invoking discipline or or either through punishment or restriction is actually what the Bible says, a very unloving act. It's a very unloving act, and this is what the writer attempts to help us better understand uh, when we get to verse 9. He says this besides, this, besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they, talking about earthly dads, they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. We could spend a month just sitting in that. That God's involvement in our lives is so that we may share in His holiness. And, and, and what I pray is that verse 10 can cause for some of us a paradigm shift in our hearts. That, that, that our earthly fathers, and, and I'm learning this the more and more and more I, as I raise my own kids... Um, that earthly fathers are subject to failure even with the best of intentions. That, that, that I am prone um, to allowing my emotions to dictate my treatment of my kids at times. That, that I have um, been short-sighted at times and I've tried to invoke discipline without knowing all the facts. And we've, we've tried over the last 15 years uh, to make sure that the intent of punishment is not about wrath, but rather, but rather it's about correction. And still, even with those best of intentions, Misty and I fall short. And if any of my kids say amen right now, you're going to get it when we get home, right? Um, but we still we, we fall so incredibly short. And, that's, and, and this is how I interpret the, the gist of, of the middle of verse 10. And it says as it seemed best to them. That, that I love my kids, and I want to invoke discipline in their lives, and, uh, and I want my kids first to grow up knowing the love of God, and I want them to experience the love of God through my treatment of them. And then and secondly, as, as I unleash them on the world one day, I don't want people blaming me for them. Right? And so in this stage of our lives, we invoke discipline and we train and we, we try to encourage them toward, toward health and toward growth. And, 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 and what we have here in verse 10 is asking us to come to a realization that, that if we can respect the attempts of our earthly fathers who disciplined us as best they knew how, then how much more adoration should we carry in our hearts for our Heavenly Father who has never disciplined us in a sinful or a failing way? Never once. He doesn't, God doesn't have to muster up His best of intentions because He has always loved us in the best of ways for our good so that we may share in His holiness. This is what we're asking to be considered, meaning that, that we may share in His love and we may share in all the blessings that come attached uh, to his love as a byproduct, and then by the way, even if there were no byproduct that sharing in his love would sustain us for eternity that 's what we get to respond to here in these verses that the Lord always disciplines his children for their good without apology and, and that is the direction of of verse ten but but we know exper- we know that experience being We know through experience that that feeling of being grounded or punished or disciplined does not always feel good, right? And that's that's why verse 11, I think, is given to us. We can rest here for a moment. For the moment, this is what it says, in verse 11, for the moment, all, all discipline. So you can circle, that's a pretty big three-letter word. All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, you can circle that as well. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been, what's the word? Trained by it. Those who have been trained by it. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. And everyone says, Amen, right? Now, now if we've chosen two components to describe discipline this morning. We chose both the discipline we experience as a mean of punishment and the discipline we experience as a means of, of restriction. And I think we probably uh, would, would do it better here if we added another uh, lane, and that would be the discipline we experience as a means of a consistent practice uh, for growth. That we can think of that as a, as a means of, of working out to get stronger. When Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, uh, he, I think he has this in mind. I think if, if you work out, you kind of get that idea. I had a workout this week. Um, I was told earlier in the day that, that Mark almost just quit on it altogether uh, on that workout. And I was like, well, wuss, right? So I get to this workout and I almost quit working out forever. Uh, not just the workout, but forever. Because in the moment, it was painful, I didn't like it. But the benefit of the continued working out brings health and strength, right? And that's why some of us reluctantly do that. Uh, and so, so what the writer uh, it tells us in verse 11 is that for the moment, and that's the problem, because some moments seem to last a lifetime. And it's only in hindsight that you realize That was just a moment. That I didn't have to, I don't have to live there any longer. God brought me through that. It's one of the greatest parts of of walking with God that you get to see uh, what the Old Testament calls Ebenezer's. That there's these milestones that say, God has brought me so far. But in that moment, it feels like there's no escape, right? And so what the writer tells us in verse 11 is that for the moment, all discipline seems Painful. So, so when discipline comes as a form of chastisement, it hurts. When discipline comes in the form of restricting a freedom we want to indulge in, it hurts. When discipline comes in the form of striving to become, to get stronger, it hurts. And all of these hurt in different ways, but yet they all hurt. And so what the writer wants to do is take our eyes off of the momentary. And he wants us to consider the results of what is being produce as a result of our discipline. That specifically as as the result of God's involvement in helping you grow and share in His holiness. And uh, In in preparing this week, I I kept being drawn back to one of the Psalms. In fact, it might be the most memorable, most recognized one. Uh, It's the the 23rd one, right? Uh, Even Coolio uh, jumped in on this one. Uh, and so, so that's that's an old joke that nobody born in the 2000 gets, but that's that's cool. I know my audience. I know my demographic. Um, but but at the end of, of verse of Psalm 23, verse four, it says this: "It says your rod and your staff, they comfort me." And and what we get here is is a shepherd's tool that, that is one unit that on each end has two distinct purposes. Okay? so so on one end you have what it's considered the rod part of it uh, and it's used to strike the sheep to keep them from doing harm to themselves and to others and, and then on the other end of the staff is 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 a way it's used to guide sheep away from certain dangers all right and so so the psalmist says that both of these things actually bring comfort because not because of the tool but because of who's using it. And so, so I, don't, I don't believe there's a stretch of, of a, to see a connection between Hebrews 12 and Psalm 23 because both of them are talking about how God treats His children. And so, so sometimes we experience the rod and it hurts. But it's important that we understand the intention. Okay? So, so when God swings the rod, it is never out of control. No matter how much we want to fight that, no matter how much we want to believe that at times, it is never out of control and his intention is always to break off the sin. Okay, so let's come back to our word picture that, that, that he's helping you get the eagle clinging to your shoulder and the word will tell us that, that, that we should let this happen because if he allowed this sin to remain on your shoulder, it would eventually destroy you. Eventually, that's what it does. The rod brings momentary pain so that we do not end up in an irreversible state apart from Him. And so, so there are times it feels like, and He may be, swinging harder and harder than He has ever before. And that's because the besetting sin is taking more and more control of your life. We do this as we parent our children, right? First, you bring a warning then you bring a slap to the hand then eventually you bring a spank to the bottom right it's a progressive and no matter how old your kid gets there's always some degree of that and this is what god does and so 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 the talons, there are times it feels like he's swinging harder and that's because the sin has taken more control of your life that the talons are digging deeper. And so to knock it off, he swings harder. And if you think that this is an abusive act, I assure you it's not because you have an eagle on your shoulder and you don't understand the infection that it's causing the rest of your body. And so the most loving thing, and I know this might sound so strange to some of us, the most loving thing God can do in this moment is to continue to swing away. And some of us say, I don't want Him knocking that eagle off of my shoulder because I like that eagle on my shoulder. And He says, yes, it's cool to have an eagle on your shoulder, but you don't understand what's happening beneath the surface. You don't understand how deep and how, how, how rotten your shoulders becoming. And eventually what happens here starts to happen here. And then what happens here affects the entire body. And so, so the other side is is the staff which is used to guide us to greener pastures, which we love, right? We love that part of the psalm. Uh, He leads me to to greener pastures. Uh, but, But in doing that, he also guides us away from danger and it dawns on me this week that that sometimes we can mistake uh, uh we can make a mistake at times for greener pastures um that they're not greener we just think they are and so god guides us away and we're like no no no, i want to go over there and god's like you don't no no, no i do i do want to go over there no no i'm telling you it's not as green as you think it is but at the time we feel we're being restricted by him I think it's kind of like walking with your kid when they were young on the side of the road and and you grab their hand to keep them from going into the street, right? Then eventually if you let go, they start to kind of wander over uh, into the street and you would grab their hand again and you would guide them away from danger. And, And at the time, they don't see the danger of it. They don't know. They don't know what you know, that there are cars that are driving past and they might not be aware of you. And so God brings us back and brings us back and, and your restriction in that moment is actually this loving act where one day we will understand God's actions. But, but in this moment, our kids get angry and they throw tantrums because what they want to do is play in the street and God says, a diesel will run right over you. So, let's start, we can wrap this up, it's so fine. I was hoping to get a lot further today. Uh, I was hoping to get us through a, more passages, but we, I think this is probably the best place to stop. Um, because we'll, we'll pick up next week in, in verse 12. It's going to give us an action to carry as a result of understanding God's aim is, is in regards to the discipline of His children. And so but let me tell you why, why this is important. And, uh, and, and I don't know if this will be helpful to you, but it's been helpful to me. Um, that that most of the time when it comes to our fight against sin when it comes to knowing that we are being tempted uh, when it comes to knowing that we are actively indul- indulging in, in sin um, we think that the process is solo um, that, that we need to fight sin on our own uh, and then once we fight it we can feel like we can go back into the presence of God that we can say hey I cleaned it up. I cleaned up my act. Now I think you'll love me more. And the problem with that is it removes him from the equation. That, that what these verses are telling us is that God is actively involved in your holiness, in your growing up in Christ. Uh, he's actively involved in, in your salvation and uh, he 's actively involved in your redemption, and so so we come back and we consider Jesus, who shows us how to fight temptation well, how to lay uh, aside every weight and to run his race well that, that we will and we 'll consider more of this next week but but I think perhaps the best place to 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 stop here is to acknowledge that God has an active role in my holiness and sometimes we are drawn closer to him through like the words of Zephaniah that, that the Lord sings over us and it's easy in those moments to want to cuddle up next to him and to want to feel his embrace and to want to press in and press in and press in and and, and, and in those moments, he is showing us his love. But then there are these other moments, and this is what I want you to understand, that are equally as loving. When he steps in and he says, you, we need to deal with this. Because you don't realize how deep it's setting into your heart. I'm going to restrict you. I'm going to strike you. And again, we, we come back to this. It's so hard for us to understand this because we've never seen this done purely except through Him. Because even with the best of intentions, we still have abusive fathers, right? Even with, with, with fathers that we would consider abusive, the rest of the world wouldn't, but we feel that they are in that moment. And so what we get to realize here. Prayerfully, is that God is actively involved today in your holiness. That you don't have to hide from Him. You don't have to try to clean up more of your act before you can go to Him. That because of Jesus, and we've been saying this, you have confidence and access to God. So I think where I want to end is I, I put this in, but I, don't, I didn't know if I was going to use it. We're going to use it. Okay? Is that okay? Okay, good. All right. Psalm 23. It's one of of my favorites. I want you to listen to the movement of God here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And then the psalmist gets to this end, and he's like, how great is this? And then how assured is this? And he finishes, and he says, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So our desire this week is to love God. Bye you need prayer today we we want to pray with you maybe maybe you do have a sin issue that you've been unwilling to 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 deal with or maybe you have a sin issue that you don't feel uh capable of of dealing with we want to come alongside you we want to pray with you we want to fight alongside you maybe you don't know how to consider jesus Maybe you don't have a relationship with him, so considering him seems like a foreign thought to you. We'd love to talk to you. I'd love to just talk with you about how Jesus has changed my life. If you need that this morning, we want to, we want to do that. We'll have some people over on this side. That fly is driving me nuts. So maybe we should just pray, right? All right. The fly one, everybody. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you. That you love us, that you care for us, and even in your great care for us, at times you discipline us. So Father, what I pray is, is that, that you would help us see, um, not, not the act of the discipline, but the result of it. That we would know we are being disciplined at times by you because you love us, and that you are disciplining us in perfect ways. Perfect ways. Not with the best of intentions, but perfectly. So, Father, what I pray in regards to that is that you would help us loosen our grip on our expectations of how you should treat us. Who are we? That you would even be mindful of us. So, Father, we pray today That we would experience your heart for us. And that as we see more and more of your love, we would long to live in ways that please you. We love you. In Jesus' name.